when I was about four years old, my dad force fed me carrots and I ended up vomiting and uh, ended up uh, that he became very irate and he picked me up and threw me in the garbage and said, stay there. You're a piece of garbage. That's me of a law. Welcome back, everyone, to That Christian in Recovery podcast. I'm your host, Vernon L. And this is that podcast where we talk about life's problems. And we also talk about the solution to those problems. But if we don't know the solution, we talk about our role in the problem. Because I do believe that everyone is recovering from something. Mark, how you doing, buddy? And welcome to that Christian and Recovery Podcast. I'm doing well. It's a pleasure to be with you, Vernon. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you um you reached out to me and had the opportunity to meet you, man. Like I say, you sent me your book, and uh, I was reading on it, uh, reading about it, and it was really a powerful story. A lot of things I could relate to it, and I like to start every show off with. Um, I believe everybody is recovering from something, Mark. So, uh, what do you believe that you are recovering from? Well, I, I had a lot of addictions, and, and it, I guess it was when, uh, eight and a half years ago now that I had called my psychiatrist and asked for uh, refills, and she was quick to point out that the math didn't add up and that I needed to go to rehab, not something that I wanted wanted to do, but uh, something that was really necessary in my life. So, you know, I, I really, really felt like it was a wake-up call from God, you know, and so I... Um, waited for my wife to get home from school. She teaches school. And so Debbie was wonderful with it. And I remember her saying to me, I'm really proud of you for making this decision or being willing to do it. And, you know, uh, then I had to contact my daughter and she was in Florida, Emily. And so I told her that I was going and she was really, really grace-filled as well. And very, very receptive to me going for help. And again, said how proud she was. And so within a couple of days, I found myself on my way to rehab and, you know, got into an amazing, amazing recovery that has been really, really hard, but really, really good. So I get to rehab and, and um, as the medications are going out of my system, the memories of my childhood are coming back and, and they came back with a vengeance. They were really, really uh, disturbing. It was really hard for me, you know. I uh, grew up in a home that I knew had a lot of trauma, but didn't realize the extent of it until I, I began to explore it. And and so my story, the the beginning part of the book is is being in rehab and not having my words. You know, counselors say to me, you know, tell us your story. <laughs> I would be like, I can't, I don't have the words. I, I really didn't have the words to be able to talk about things. And, you know, the second part of the book is finding my words. And, and then the third part of my book is embracing my words. Yeah. And so, you know, the the um, chapters four, five, and six of the book talk about childhood. And my childhood was very, very strange. Um, when I was about four years old, my dad force fed me carrots, and I ended up vomiting, 
and uh, ended up uh, that he became very irate and he picked me up and threw me in the garbage and said, stay there, you're a piece of garbage, that's where you belong. So, I, you know, I'm sitting in rehab and all of these memories are coming back. And, you know, I, I talk in the book about being sexually abused mm-hmm. from the age of about four to about seven years of age. And so I, I go into it in more detail in the book, but it was very, very, uh, very traumatic for me that my dad did. And, and so, you know, around seven years of age, the abuse stopped. And, and in a way, that was really traumatic, too, because there was a closeness between my dad and I. And, and it stopped because we had armed robbery at our house where four men came in. Uh, two men went into the basement with my mom and dad and my aunt and uncle and stole coins and cash and jewelry and all kinds of things. Two of the men were upstairs with us. We we didn't uh, wake up, but you know the next day we woke up and all we heard was all of the strange things that happened and and we heard it over and over and over again. I remember after that, my um, mom became an alcoholic. And I remember coming home to her being intoxicated and my dad became very, very paranoid and just became obsessed with catching the people who did it. You know, one of, one of the strange stories that, that, that I, I wrote in the book was that my dad broke out a wall in our basement, a cement wall, um, and then gave my um, sister and I forks and knives and spoons to dig out a room, you know, where, where he could put valuables, put coins, and and put money and silver bars and things like that. So there was a lot that happened, you know. And, and so it it's taken me a while, you know, to be able to process the trauma that happened. And you know, I continue to talk about it in chapters four, five, and six. You know, just some strange things that happened. Mm-hmm. My dad, my dad grew up during the Depression era, and so he didn't have money, and so he was really obsessed with money and i can remember burning him uh standing at the kitchen sink mm-hmm. and he would be um he he would put water in the kitchen sink and then put a detergent and then he would four hundred dollar bills in it and wash them and then iron them and then pack them in stacks of a hundred you know until he filled the suitcase wow because I believe, I believe majority of people that are in recovery started from some type of trauma. So absolutely, you know that's yeah. that's such, such a good point because um, one of the quotes I use in my book is by uh, Doctor Gabor Mate. You know, and and he says, "Don't ask why the addiction, ask why the pain." You know, and, yeah, and, and really so I think you're 100 percent right. Yeah, I think you're 100 percent right that. You know, in the in the uh, my story and in other people's story, people that I work with now to counsel, those people have a history of trauma. Yeah, yeah, and and those are the things that lead us to to the addiction. You know, uh, and I, I remember reading the book in the beginning. You are you are you you were talking about the message, right? that your dad had, had given you for years. And, and that message was, there was something wrong with you. Yeah, and I, and I, went, I went through life, Vernon, believing that there was really something very wrong with me. You know, my dad had, had a brother who had special needs. 
you know, and in the, in those days, they they called him mentally retarded, and my dad would often compare me to him, and so I knew what that meant, you know, and I I grew up feeling very inadequate, um, didn't feel like I was smart at all, you know, really struggled with self esteem, you know, all as a result of the messages that I got from my dad. Mm-hmm. What about how did you deal with those things, Mark? You know, less than how did you deal with those things? Well, I, I think that one of the things that I did was I overcompensated. And so I, I would, you know, I started out, I got saved when I was when I was nineteen and felt called into the ministry. And so uh was originally going to be a pastor and then switched. I, I went into counseling, uh personal counseling my third year of Bible college and then switched and said, you know, I wanted to be a counselor because I saw how, how helpful it was, you know, even the little bit that I was able to deal with at that time, because I had a lot of uh, anxiety and a lot of depression. So, you know, I went for my, my bachelor's and then I decided to go for my master's and then I got a second master's and then I got my doctorate, you know? And so it was like never enough, you know, it was like I needed to get all these, these degrees and put all, all of these degrees on the wall to prove that I was smart enough because of the messages that I got that there was something wrong with me and something wrong with my intelligence. Yeah. So that was one way that I compensated. Right. And that's what I did too. In my addiction, I always, when I was coming, I always felt like I had to prove myself, you know, because I was kind of addicted to the, you're a good guy. I want to be the good kid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, Every time I achieve something, Mark, I want, you know, see, can you relate to it? There still was a void there. No matter what I accomplished, there was something always missing. How about you? You had experience with that? Yeah, yeah. I, I um, went for my bachelor's and then, you know, I needed to go for a master's or uh, to be a counselor. But then I went for a second and then I went for my doctorate. And still, after all of that, felt very empty and felt like, what's next? I can, I can remember... Um, being in rehab and thinking, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go for another degree in addiction, you know, just, you know, just to fill that void and, and realizing that, you know, it came down to the fact that I had so much emptiness Yeah, and, and still do at times, you know, a lot of loneliness and a lot of emptiness that I have to process, you know, and allow, allow the Lord to kind of step into Uh, one of the verses that, I have taken for this year, one of my verses for this year was Jeremiah 17, 14, heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, Lord, and I will be saved, or you are the one that I praise. You know, but uh, but it's, it's as you know, it's a work in progress. It's never done. You know, I thought, yeah. <laughs> I thought, you know, I went to rehab mm-hmm. and I thought, okay, great. I'll go for 30 days and then that'll be done. I'll come home and... I'll go back to practice. Well, you know, the 30 days turned into 90 days there. And then I got home and realized by that time that I was in really rough shape. I needed to take time off and just spend healing. And so I took two years off and then was able to go back to work part-time and then eventually move into full-time. But it, it, it takes time to process. Yeah. You know, I was diagnosed with complex trauma. And okay. it, it really takes time to process that and to work through that. 
Yeah. And uh, what what are you doing to uh, you? you do you still have a uh, support group? Absolutely. You know, I um, went into counseling and did a lot of different types of work, a lot of story work. And I did a lot, you know, one of the counselors I had, one of the, one of the first counselors I had said to me, I want you to put everything down on a work document and, and send it to me so that we can talk about it. And that was hard to do, yeah. you know, and when I did that, a lot of other memories came up that I had repressed. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I did that and then did a lot of work with him on processing that, you know, I'm still in counseling. I still have a, a men's group that I'm in. You know, I'm right. really, really active with, with church as far as being involved. And, you know, I go to a church and I'm really, really thankful. Uh, I have found a church that's really safe. Yeah. That I can talk to people about things that I'm struggling with because, you know, for me, the addiction, as I said earlier, the addiction wasn't the problem. It was the solution. It caused it caused a lot of problems, but that wasn't the problem. Right. The problem was the trauma that I was trying to medicate. Yeah. It was so painful for me. It's very important, um, the support group, especially for as the church is um, concerned, you know, because the you know, church we go to, uh, our pastor, he, I mean, he's really big on recovery, right? Uh, have you ever heard of Celebrate Recovery? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm one of the leaders there. He uh, he started that there. Um, and, and being in church, you know, some churches, you know, I mean, let's keep it real, Mark. You know, some religious people, they look at you and I sideways, you know, because we struggle. You know, sometimes they just believe that when you have Christ in your heart, you shouldn't. You shouldn't struggle like that. Uh, you shouldn't have to have a support group. What, what's your take on, 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 you know, dealing with churches like that? Well, I, I, I had gone to a lot of different churches. And, and like I said to you, you know, I found a safe church. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that um, the that Christ came for the sick. And, and, <laughs> and so, you know, I look at it and, and I really sometimes am amazed that people are surprised that people still sin, you know, uh, first John, first John chapter one, eight and nine. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, Yeah, you cleanse us, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's written to believers. That's not written to unbelievers. You know, you go, you, you fast forward to James. I think it's James 5, 17 you know, again, a book to believers. And it says, you know, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed, yeah. you know? And so I am, I feel really fortunate that God has led me to a church where, you know, I, like I said, I can talk about struggles that I'm having and, and I'm accepted in that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, 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 that's awesome. Uh, um, like I said, the, the church is real big. I'm a 12 step program. Um, it's so many, you know, I, you know, like I said, I need, I need counseling. I, I have a life coach. I have a mm-hmm. sponsor. I have a spiritual advisor. And yeah, I'm saying that to the listeners, let you know that just because we are recovering, recovering about me doing it on my own, Mark. I need people, just like you said, people that I can trust. I feel safe that I can, mm-hmm. I can get vulnerable with and I can express my feelings and, and my concerns, you know, um, that's why, you know, 
you know, I have guests like you on here. Let, let, let's go back to the rehab for a minute and, and touch on what was your thought process of when you, when, before you walked through the doors, what was, what was going through your mind, Mark? I, you know, I had gotten to the point where I was taking so much medication, um, to just get rid of the feelings that I had. I was sleeping half the day and then the rest of the day watching TV and zoning out. I wasn't working much at all at, at the end before I went in. And and so um, it's interesting. My dad had passed away about maybe eight months before. So it's kind of like the coast was clear. I could go get help. It was just amazing how the Lord worked that out. You know, but I went into rehab with this idea of I am so broken and I am so flawed, you know, that I had hurt my family. I had hurt friends. I had hurt clients, you know, uh, by, by disappointing them with this. And I felt like um, there was a huge part of me that just felt like God was done with me. And it, the interesting thing is he was just getting started. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that was the interesting thing. You know, I had had tons of education, formal education, but I'd never had education that he was going to put me through, you know, and he's done it now for the last, you know, eight and a half months of training me mm-hmm. and humbling me and bringing me to a point of being vulnerable and authentic, you know, going into rehab, as I said to you, I was pretty much in denial and thinking like, okay, I'll go for 30 days, I'll get it done and then I'll get out and I'll start practicing. But, you know, that's not what God had in mind. And so, you know, the, the staff at the rehab, they were very good. And I think they realized how much trauma I had. You know, um, I had a doctor that I, that I met with there, a psychiatrist. He was wonderful, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he just saw part of my history, you know, very, very little. You know, and I remember him kindly, you know, looking at me and he was in recovery. And he said to me, you know, Mark, it's going to take you a lot of time and that's okay. You need to take the time to heal. And and so little by little, God was using people to kind of break me down and to let me know that, you know, it wasn't going to be 30 days. It wasn't going to be 90 days. It was going to be healing for the rest of my life. You know, so, you know, I, I, I really thought that rehab was really good for me in so many different ways. I, like I said, I, I wasn't able to talk about my story there. And I, I know now why I wasn't. It was just too much to talk about. And there was, um, you know, a guy at the rehab, a friend of mine, uh, a believer. And I remember sitting with him and telling him just a little bit of my story with the trauma. Yeah. You know, and, and he said to me, you know what, Mark, it's fine that you're not talking about it here. But when you get out, you need to find safe people to talk to, you know, to work with, to work through it. And we, we're friends to this day, just a great friend, you know, and, and, and so there have been a lot of people, you know, you talk about the need for people in recovery. God has provided me with so many great people along the way that have showed up at the right time, uh, friends, professionals, and others, you know, and, and I talk about in the book, the one and others of scripture, mm-hmm. you know, just the importance that, you know, God certainly created us and knows us and knows that we need you know, other people. Yeah. And and so that's what the journey has been for me learning, you know, to be more vulnerable. I um, walked into church uh, this last Sunday and the night before, Albert and I had a lot of nightmares. 
you know, a, a lot of serious nightmares about childhood trauma. And so I walk in, you know, I walk into the doors of the church and our um, associate pastor comes up to me and he has his arms out and he gives me a big hug and he says, how are you? You know, and me, I was res- re- resort to, oh, I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah, fine. Good. And so, you know, I realized what I was doing and I pulled back and his name is Corey. And I said, Corey, you know what? I'm not so fine really struggling with some nightmares that I had, you know, and he just gave me a hug and, you know, looked at me and just really connected and mm-hmm. gave me the message that it was okay. Yeah. It was okay that I was struggling and that, that he was there for me, yeah. you know? And, and so, you know, I, I reflect back on that and I talk about, you know, I've talked to myself about and reminded myself how pairing that was, you know, we have all of these things that happened that are not good. But when we get in recovery and we're able to be a little more vulnerable or more vulnerable or more authentic, you know, people show up, you know, you have to find the right people, those safe people to talk to. Yeah. And that was good that you, you caught yourself. Yeah. You caught yourself in in the old response. And that's, uh, that's something else that recovery teaches us. It teaches how to, to get honest and it's okay to not feel, yeah. you know, feel had, had nightmares and things like that, because those, those are the type of thing when they talk about recovery, I read your book and I know you had, you know, got some experience with the 12 steps too. That's that powerless yeah. piece. I, I, I like to talk about. Yeah. When, yeah. You know, when you, there's nothing I can do about having nightmares or, or thoughts. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause yeah. you know, my mind, I could be sitting with you in church, honestly, Mark, and my mind just go way over there. And I'd be like, oh, my yep. God, I'm yeah. in church. I'm yeah. in church. Mm-hmm. You can't, there's nothing you can do about it. But I there, right. but I can call you or my sponsor or my, you know, my coach and things like that. So I'm glad you touched on because, you know, you won on that one. You know, because, again, if you'd have kept it to yourself, that's how that thing gets you. It, it wants you to, it wants you to keep it a secret. Yeah. Yeah. And there was. You know, there was so much of that in my childhood of keeping secrets, you know, mm-hmm. and though so I learned it from an early age, you know, to keep secrets. Yeah. Wow. What about sometimes? Well, I mean, was it hard for you to forgive yourself? And I had so much shame and so much guilt and, you know, it still creeps in at times. And I, I have to remind myself, you know, I, I think about the verse in Ephesians 2.10, one of, one of my favorite verses uh, in recovery. And, and that verse says that we are his masterpiece, creating Christ Jesus to do the good works that he planned for us long ago. You know, and that word masterpiece in the Greek mm-hmm. is poemi. And that has the connotation or the idea of a poem. You know, that I'm a poem. And I, and I have a poet and that, that's the creator, you know, just like he's the potter and I'm the clay, you know? And so if I'm God's masterpiece, you know, and he's creating in me, you know, to do good works, then I need to, you know, bring my shame to that and see, you know, and, and, and just see who I really am. And I'm a child of God. I am the beloved of God and reminding myself that. You know, another verse I love is in First John three twenty, 
where it says, even if our feelings condemn us, God is greater than our feelings and knows all things. Wow. That, that's, that's awesome. That, that's, that's a good note right there, Mark, Mark, to end this, this way. And I, I would like to know with the people listeners, right? How will they be able to contact you? They can uh, go on Google and they can uh, type in Mark, M-A-R-K, McNear, M-C-N-E-A-R, uh, com. And I have a website and there's a place there to contact me and they can email me and I'll be glad to get back to them. Great, great. And, and the last thing, you got people out there because, see, you got to realize, Mark, and I know you realize that what you, you shared today that's deeper than a lot of, lot of things that, that, you know, people in recovery haven't even touched on. Uh, let's just keep it real. That's that when you t- dealing with childhood trauma, that's like the basic, the core of what we're recovering from. There are some people out there that struggling, uh, trauma, you know, trauma like that. What advice would you give them? Let's listen to this. You know, I, I would say, first of all, that if you told me 10 years ago that I would be here talking to you, I would have told you there's no way that I would do it. So I would say that, you know, I was in that same place. And and so, you know, just find one person if you can to talk to, you know, see if they're safe to talk to about some of the things that, that are going on. You know, um, that's one of the reasons I wrote the book, because I wanted to say, you know what? Uh, I I was a professional. I am a professional. I had a lot of degrees and things, but, you know, we're all made of the same thing. And so, you know, just find one person to come to or to, to, to be able to talk to, you know, to be able to share your story. Go to a meeting, you know, go to a celebrate recovery. You don't have to talk. You know, I went to uh, NA meetings for about a year straight. And I went to a lot of them, and I don't think I spoke in hardly any of them, you know. But what was helpful for me was to listen to other people's stories of recovery and and the hope that they provided, you know. So just find one person and take the risk. And I know that's really scary because if you would have told me that, I would have been like, "No way!" But but it's really worth taking the risk and finding somebody to talk to. Wow, thank you. I appreciate you coming on, Mark. Thanks for being such a blessing. And uh, and you just keep on walking, the good, the good faith walking. Um, and I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thank you. Thank you Thanks. so much, Bert. Thank you. Yeah.